Chapter Five, Part Two of the Markets of Paris by Emizola. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Duty before all, Part Two. The smell of cheese filled the air, cheese from Brittany and from Normandy done up in cloths. By the side of Prince of Butter was a Chester and a Gruyere, the first a bright gold color, and the latter looking like a gigantic wheel parmesan and brie were on plates a roquefort near by tiny cheeses of goat's milk were not especially tempting yes repeated the old maid he comes from the galleys these quenu gradelles need not be so fine but madame lacoeur and la sarriette uttered exclamations of astonishment it was impossible what had he done who would have imagined that madame quenu proud as she was would have chosen such a lover you are all out cried the old maid impatiently listen to me i knew that i had seen the fellow somewhere she told them florent's story she recalled the vague reports which had once been current of a nephew of old gradelle's having been sent to cayenne for having killed a half-dozen soldiers at a barricade she had seen him more than once herself and this was the very man she lamented that she was losing her memory she wept over the loss like a student who sees the wind carry off the notes amassed in a lifetime of labor six soldiers murmured la sarriette he must be as strong as a lion and i dare say he has killed as many more since added mademoiselle saget i should not like to meet him in the dark but said madame lacoeur if he is big lisa's brother-in-law he is not her lover they all looked at each other and then the old maid said primly i really don't see why not except interposed la sarriette that you say he is the lover of the two mahoudans certainly he is but i don't care whose lover he is after all it is all one to me but he is a rascal of course he is a thorough rascal echoed the others they then began to depict all sorts of catastrophes which would be likely to overtake the fair lisa this brother-in-law would certainly work her some evil and then why was he at the hall he must be projecting some terrible plot they decided that new locks should be placed on the poultry cellars while la sarriette reminded her aunt that only the week before someone had stolen a basket of peaches but mademoiselle saget informed them loftily that the reds never did such things as that they would not condescend to touch a basket of peaches but they would pillage and burn madame lecoeur turned pale she saw the hall in flames and florent and his associates bursting out on the devoted city and he shares with quenu old gradelle's fortune said mademoiselle saget i should not think they would like his appearing among them in this way she then went on to describe lisa's finding this money and told the precise sum which neither quenu nor his wife had confided to any one it was clear that florent had not received his portion or he would be better dressed the three women rolled the sweet morsel under their tongues but finally decided it were best not to attack la belle lisa but turn their attention to florent himself i have seen mademoiselle leonce said the old maid with a significant glance the two others were very attentive madame leonce was gavard's concierge he lived in an old house which was occupied in the lower story by an importer of lemons and oranges madame leonce kept house and carried the keys and made tisane for the old gentleman when he was ill 
she was a cold severe-looking woman between fifty and sixty speaking very slowly and extremely aggrieved because gavard had kissed her on one occasion mademoiselle saget took coffee with her every wednesday evening and the two talked incessantly of the worthy poultry merchant they were both very fond of him and wished him to be happy yes i saw madame leonce repeated the old maid i saw her last evening she was in great trouble it seems that m gavard never goes home until after one o'clock she had some hot soup ready for him sunday night she knows what she is about said madame lecoeur bitterly mademoiselle saget thought she ought to protect her friend not at all you are quite mistaken madame leonce is above her position had she chosen to feather her nest there she could have done so long ago he trusts everything to her and that is why i wish to speak to you but you must remember that i speak in confidence they swore never to open their lips and she continued monsieur gavard has bought a pistol and keeps it on a table at the side of his bed and this is not all his his money gasped madame lecoeur is all in his wardrobe he has sold out all his securities and keeps gold on hand gold interrupted la sarriette yes a great pile of gold madame leonce told me that he opened the wardrobe one day in her presence and that it hurt her eyes it was so bright the eyes of the three women were distended as if they saw the gold before them i wish my uncle would give it to me all this beautiful gold said la sarriette gaily jules and i would have a very good time madame lecoeur had little to say the thought of this gold crushed her to the earth if i were you said mademoiselle saget addressing her i should watch over my own interests this pistol shows that m gavard has bad advisers they all three fell once more on florent they pulled him deliberately to pieces they swore never to open their mouths not out of regard to florent but to that worthy m gavard as they were about to separate the butter merchant said do you think we can trust madame leonce you ask me too much answered the old woman i think her a very honest woman but i by no means answer for her you must judge for yourselves the smell of the cheeses grew stronger and stronger and yet it seemed as if the stench from the words uttered by the venomous tongues of these women was worse than all i thank you sincerely said the market woman and if i am ever rich i will show my gratitude with more than words but mademoiselle saget still lingered she took up a tiny cheese turned it over and laid it down again then she asked the price for me she added in an insinuating tone to you nothing answered madame lecoeur i give it to you and she added with a sigh if i were only rich the cheese quickly disappeared in the basket the butter merchant went down to the cellar and the old woman walked on with la sarriette to her stall it smells nicer here than at your aunt's place said mademoiselle saget i really felt sick there but here everything is as sweet as yourself my beauty la sarriette laughed she liked compliments and said as she sold some plums to a lady that they were like sugar i should like to buy some too said the old maid when the lady had gone only i want so few you see one lone woman take a handful cried the pretty brunette it won't ruin me 
send jules here will you if you see him he is probably smoking his cigar on the first bench to the right as you go out mademoiselle saget lengthened her fingers to take up a handful of plums which she popped into her basket with the little cheese she pretended that she was about to leave the halle but she lingered still not being quite content with her dinner of cheese and plums she returned to the butter market behind which were the stalls of cooked meats each morning small close wagons like boxes of zinc with trays and perforated sides stopped at the doors of restaurants and at the ministers and ambassadors where the cooks sold the debris from the kitchen all this was sorted in the cellars at the market and as early as nine o'clock the plates were displayed at three and five sous bits of meat a wing of a bird heads or tails of fish vegetables and ham other plates were devoted to the desserts cakes a trifle broken and bonbons which were almost whole hungry-looking women clerks and boys stood at these stalls among which mademoiselle saget quietly slipped she especially affected one woman who pretended that all she sold came from the tuileries which was some consolation to the pride of the little old woman as she ate her slice of cold mutton next to her on this occasion stood a tall old man who was buying a plate of fish and meat mixed mademoiselle saget had her eyes on some fried white bait for three sous she bargained the woman down and getting it for two sous put it into her basket the first movement of each purchaser at these stalls was to smell of the dishes the odour about the place was not inviting as it suggested dirty dishwater and grease come and see me to-morrow said the woman there is to be a great dinner at the tuileries to-night and i will put aside something nice for you mademoiselle saget promised to come and as she turned away she saw gavard who had heard she turned very red but pretended not to see him as she drew her shawl close about her thin shoulders and went away he followed her a short distance saying to himself that the wickedness of this magpie did not astonish him if she ate the things which were cooked at the tuileries the next day a vague rumour began to circulate in the halle mademoiselle saget showed her own peculiar skill she allowed mademoiselle lecoeur and la sarriette to say what they pleased while she held her tongue the stories they set in circulation were most extraordinary beginning at first with a few words expanding later until florent had killed ten gendarmes at the barricades he had returned to france on a piratical craft and ever since his arrival had been busy with new plots when the imagination of these women was let loose they soon organized a band of smugglers and thieves who devastated paris in the most systematic manner they had a great deal to say about the inheritance which the Quenu gradel had appropriated the general opinion was that florent had returned to obtain his rights and that he was only awaiting a good opportunity to pocket the whole some day the Quenu gradel would be found dead in their beds for there were terrible quarrels every day there now when these stories reached la belle normande she shrugged her shoulders and laughed you are ridiculous she said the dear man is as gentle as a lamb she had just refused to marry monsieur lebigre who had offered himself in due form after innumerable little attentions every sunday for two months he sent a bottle of liqueur to the mahoudans it was rose who brought it with her submissive air and delivered it to la normande with a complimentary message which she repeated accurately apparently without being in the least annoyed by this strange commission when m lebigre was dismissed 
he sent rose the next sunday with two bottles of champagne and a huge bouquet which seemed to indicate that he had not lost all hope rose walked up to the pretty fishwoman and recited without a pause this madrigal from the wine merchant monsieur le bigre begs you to drink this to his health which has been much shaken by what you know of he hopes that you will be kind enough to cure him some day by being as beautiful and sweet as these bowers la normande was much amused she asked many questions of the woman about her master she asked if he wore suspenders and if he snored at night and then told her to take away the champagne and the bouquet tell your master he must send me nothing more you are a very obliging little woman i am sure he told me to come answered rose plaintively and i think you are doing very wrong to treat him so cruelly he is a very handsome man la normande was entirely carried away by florent's quiet consistency of character she sat and listened to the instruction he gave to much night after night and made up her mind that she would marry this man who was so kind to her boy she would keep her stall in the market and he would be promoted to some higher position but this dream received no encouragement from anything in the manner of the professor toward her he kept her at a distance when she was quite ready to fall into his arms florent might perhaps have yielded to her charms but for his attachment to little much the idea too of a mistress in the same house with her mother and sister revolted him la normande learned the history of the man she loved with no small surprise for never had he made the smallest allusion to it she insisted on his talking to her now and asked if he did not fear that the police would find him he reassured her saying that it was too old a story and that they would not trouble themselves one evening he told her about the woman on the boulevard montmartre the lady in the rose-coloured bonnet and of the breast pierced through all the soft muslins and laces whose blood had drenched his hands the thought of her had haunted him all these years she had gone with him to guyana and he had come back to france with the bewildered idea that he should find her still lying on the sidewalk never to this day did he see a rose-coloured bonnet and a shawl falling from the shoulders without a sick feeling at his heart when he closed his eyes he could see her coming toward him with her sad affrighted eyes and white lips he had never heard her name and yet she was his model of all that was pure and good it seemed to him that had he met her a few moments earlier she would have gladdened his whole life no he would have no other wife he would never marry he did not say this but his voice shook the feminine instinct of lenormand grasped his meaning and she became wildly jealous of the dead woman it was a great pity you saw her she said maliciously because she could not have been very beautiful by that time florent turned pale he never forgave la belle normande for this brutality which forevermore compelled him to associate the idea of a charnel house with that pale face framed in rose-coloured silk by this time la belle normande began to see that she was mistaken in thinking she had stolen a lover from lisa this diminished her triumph so much that her love for florent lessened considerably in the next week but she was comforted by hearing about the fortune which la belle lisa was keeping from her brother-in-law when florent next came as he sat writing copies she said to him what a strange idea that was of your uncle's to put his money in a salting barrel eighty-five thousand francs is a very nice sum but i dare say the quenus lied and there was twice as much if i were you i would insist on my share at once i don't want it answered florent i have no use for it this was too much for her 
she burst forth don't you understand that these people are cheating you lisa passes over to you her husband's old linen and old clothes i do not say this to wound you but every one sees it you are wearing pantaloons that we have all seen on your brother for the last three years i should throw these old rags in their faces and ask for my money forty-two thousand francs is it not very well then i would not go out of the shop until i had them in vain did florent explain that his sister-in-law had offered him his share and that he could have it whenever he pleased he entered into a lengthy explanation in order to convince her of quenu's honesty i know all about their honesty she exclaimed fat lisa folds it up and packs it away in her wardrobe so that she may not wear it out but my poor friend you see no further than a child of five years old she could pay you your money with one hand and take it away with the other i say you ought to insist on your rights i wish you would let me go and have it out with them no no exclaimed florent quite horrified i will see about it myself soon she doubted the truth of what he said and told him that he was altogether too gentle she determined to keep him up to the mark and when she was his wife she would soon settle with lisa she lay in her bed at night building all sorts of plans she saw herself going into the shop and making a terrible scene just when it was crowded she found such infinite delight in this project that she would have married florent if for no other reason than to claim this money old mother mahoudin who was utterly exasperated at m lebigre's dismissal called her daughter an idiot and declared that the skeleton the graceful name she gave to florent had bewitched her by some nasty drug when she heard the story of cayenne she was absolutely horrible in her rage at the same time declaring that it was no more than she expected she called him all sorts of names and locked up all her drawers as soon as he entered the room in the most ostentatious way one day she had a terrible quarrel with her eldest daughter and ended by saying look out do not go too far or i will certainly go to the prefect and denounce this man you will denounce him repeated la normande trembling all over with terror and indignation do not think of such a thing if you were not my mother claire who was present began to laugh nervously for some time she had been very quiet and gloomy moving about as if in a dream with reddened eyes and a pale face if she were not your mother interrupted claire you would beat her i suppose you mean very well beat me then as i am your only sister for i intend to save my mother the trouble by going myself to the prefect and as la normande fairly choked she added in a strange tone and when i have done it i will throw myself into the seine on my way home tears streamed from her eyes and she rushed from the room they heard her close her own door violently mother mahoudin said no more about denouncing florent the rivalry between la belle normande and la belle lisa assumed a more formidable character in the afternoon when the awning of gray stripe with pink was dropped the fishwoman said aloud with a sneer that she was hiding herself the shade in the window also exasperated her it represented a glade in a forest where gentlemen in black coats and ladies in full ball costume were eating a red pate as big as themselves la belle lisa was not afraid however and as soon as the sun was gone the shade was drawn up and she was seen at her counter knitting and calmly contemplating the square crowded with vagabonds lying under the trees and porters smoking their pipes sat on the benches at the ends of the sidewalk 
two advertising columns were filled with gay-coloured theatrical advertisements she glanced from time to time at la belle normande while pretending to follow the carriages sometimes she leaned a little forward to look at the omnibus running from the bastille to la place Vagram, but it was merely to see the fishwoman more distinctly la belle normande was now avenging herself for the dropped shade by putting over her head and on her wares large sheets of brown paper on the pretext of protecting herself from the setting sun but la belle lisa triumphed in as much as la normande's great ambition was to do things in good style and nothing humiliated her more than to hear the good manners of her rival praised mother mahudin had detected this weakness in her daughter and attacked her there i saw madame quenu at her door to-night she would say it is amazing how that woman is preserved she is always so well dressed with the air of a lady it is the counter after all nothing shows off a woman like that this was a direct allusion to monsieur lebigre's proposition la belle normande did not answer for a moment she was thinking of herself on the other corner of la rue pirouette a pendant to la belle lisa at the wine merchant's counter her affection for florent received a severe shock florent was very difficult to defend just now for the whole quartier had turned upon him each individual behaved as if he had a personal interest in exterminating him one declared that florent had been seen trying to set a fire in the cellars under the markets and this foolish tale was only one among many the fish market was the last to yield to this infection there florent was liked by the fishwomen they stood up for him for some time but constantly influenced by the butter and cheese woman they yielded at last then recommenced the old struggle of the fat against the lean mademoiselle saget's black hat was to be seen at all hours and in all places her small pale face seemed to multiply she had sworn to avenge herself on the society which assembled nightly in the private room at the cabaret she accused these gentlemen of laughing at her for buying broken victuals the truth was that gavard one evening had incidentally mentioned that the dried-up old maid who was always spying about it the trash that the bonapartists threw away these slices of meat gathered up from the emperor's kitchen were to him the personification of all the disorder and corruption of the government and from this time it was a great joke at the cabaret to talk of taking mademoiselle saget up by the tongs she was regarded as some vile beast who ate the stuff that a properly educated dog would have rejected clemence and gavard repeated this very poor joke in the market so that the little old maid was seriously injured by it when she hung around a stall with the expectation of some little gift she would be told with a coarse laugh to go to the tuileries woman and buy a plate of broken victuals she fairly wept with mortification and said to la sarriette and to madame lecoeur that she would certainly have her revenge on gavard they made no reply hoping that she would soon calm down gavard however was really compromising himself ever since the conspiracy was well started he had carried his revolver in his pocket a revolver which he had purchased at the best place in paris with many precautions and a great air of mystery the next day he showed it to half the women in the poultry market binding them to secrecy this pistol gave him great importance in their eyes and placed him definitely in the category of dangerous men he would sometimes pull it out and show the shining trigger to several women at his stall begging them all to stand before him that he might not be seen by other people then he would take aim at a goose or a turkey 
suspended from above and was delighted at the terror of the women whom he would soothe by telling that it was not loaded then he would pull out a box of cartridges and display those after they had been sufficiently admired he would put away his armory and with folded arms orate for an hour a man with that thing he would say loftily is twice a man sundays i go with a friend to the plaine st denis of course you understand that i would not tell everybody that i took this with me we take aim at a tree and bless your little hearts i hit it each time i fire one of these days you will hear strange stories about anatole it was his revolver which he called anatole at the end of a week every one in the market knew the pistol and the cartridges he was too rich and too stout to be included in the distrust and hatred they felt for florent but the esteem with which he was formerly regarded was greatly lessened and timid persons became afraid of him it is very imprudent to carry arms about one said mademoiselle saget sententiously some accident will certainly happen ever since florent had given up taking his meals at his brother's he almost lived at the cabaret and the private room was regarded much as if it were his own an old desk was given up to him in which he kept his books and papers Monsieur Lebigre even kindly added a table, on which he said Florent could sleep if it were necessary. He showed, in fact, so much kind cordiality, that Florent was quite touched. Logre was very kind also, and it was to him that Florent confided every detail of the plot as it gradually ripened, and of which Florent continued to be the head. He was at this time perfectly happy. He no longer walked on common earth. He moved as if on air. He had the credulity of a child and the confidence of a hero. His enthusiasm became intense, and he spoke of the coming struggle as of a great fate to which all brave men would be bidden. While he talked, Gavard played with his pistol, and Charvet grew more and more bitter as he was by no means pleased with the prominent position assumed by his rival. He was gradually becoming disgusted with politics and one evening coming into the cabaret rather earlier than usual he found only m logre and lebigre there he opened his heart to them he is a fellow he said who literally has no notion whatever of politics he would have done very well as a professor of writing in a young lady's boarding-school it would be a misfortune to us rather than a blessing if he should succeed for everything would be turned upside down these humanitarians and half-way poets do not amount to much except in the way of talk he will not succeed but he will get himself locked up as you will see his two listeners did not reply they wished him to continue he would have been arrested long ago resumed charvet if he were half as dangerous as he would have us believe the police knew he was here the very first day he set foot in paris if they did not interfere with him it was simply because he was too insignificant to give them any anxiety logre started now resumed charvet it is different with me for fifteen years i have had half a dozen spies at my heels who will have me arrested whenever the prefect has need of me yes certainly answered lebigre mechanically he rarely spoke and was now paler than usual as he glanced stealthily at logre if you take my advice added charvet you will put an end to this sort of thing going on here or your establishment will be so compromised that it will be closed by the government logre smiled this was not the first time that charvet had talked in this way he wished to frighten them and induce them to break with florent through their fears 
but he found them always undisturbed by anything he could say he was no less regular in his appearance at the cabaret after this explosion clemence was always with him she had lost her clerkship at the market this monsieur manory and i have not the same political opinions said the brunette as she carelessly twisted a cigarette that is all there is to be said about it manory is ready to lick the emperor's boots the truth was that she had amused herself one morning in placing against the long list of sales a series of caricatures and the names of ladies and gentlemen best known at court manory had nearly died of horror gaval laughed whenever he thought of it you ought to have been a man he said slapping her shoulder clemence had adopted a new way of making her grog she first filled the glass with boiling water which she sweetened and then poured the rum drop by drop on the slice of lemon floating on the top she then lighted this rum and watched it burn the flames of the alcohol imparting a green tinge to her face but after she lost her position at market she could not indulge in this extravagance she lived on the proceeds of some lessons that she gave in la rue meromesnil the evenings in the little room were less noisy than they had been charvet rarely spoke but glared in silence at his rival the remembrance that he had reigned there before the other's arrival gnawed his heart he continued to haunt the place because he was homesick elsewhere he recalled the days when he had compelled these men to think on all precisely as he bade them the thing that enraged him was that he had been dispossessed so gradually that he had not seen it himself he did not explain this by admitting florent's superiority he would simply say with uplifted brows the fellow talks like a cure while the others drank in his words charvet pretended not to be able to find a nail on which to hang his hat so crowded was the small room with florent's clothing he even made a formal complaint to the proprietor and asked if the room was the exclusive property of any single member of the society this invasion of his rights was the coup de grace men were brutes and he despised all humanity as he noticed the way in which l'ogre and le bigre hung on florent's words he was exasperated by gavard's revolver and thought robin who never spoke the most sensible man of the lot while lacaille and alexandre only confirmed him in the idea that the people were stupid and that they needed a revolutionary dictatorship for at least ten years before they could govern themselves l'ogre declared about this time that the organization of the sections was nearly completed and florent began to distribute the rolls after an animated discussion one night where he felt himself to be in the background charvet rose and took his hat saying good night amuse yourselves by all means but i don't propose to work to gratify the ambition of any man clemence wrapped her shawl about her and added coldly the plan is simply impracticable End of chapter five part two